Real quick, before we get into the show, I wanted to share a new service called Getita that Ken and I have been using that has made us over $10,000 in Amazon reimbursements. The service requires no monthly subscription, and Getita collects a small percentage of the money they recover for you. It takes less than five minutes to set up and works on all Amazon marketplaces. Go to getita.com, G-E-T-I-D-A, and enter promo code FTM400. That's FTM for firing the man 400 to get your first $400 in reimbursements commission free. How much money does Amazon owe you? Navigating international markets is complicated already. What are some new problems that have come about since the coronavirus? Basically, Chinese factories have been closed almost 60 to 75 days. Two of my suppliers have reached out recently in the last week or two, and and they've offered discounts. Welcome, everyone, to the Firing the Man podcast, a show for anyone who wants to be their own boss. If you sit in a cubicle every day and know you are capable of more, then join us. This show will help you build a business and grow your passive income streams in just a few short hours per day. And now your hosts, serial entrepreneurs, David Schomer and Ken Wilson. Welcome, everyone, to the Firing the Man podcast. Today, we have a very exciting guest. We are joined by Birak Yolga. Birak is a specialist in international logistics, product sourcing, and navigating the complicated global marketplace, making him an ideal guest to talk about the implications of the coronavirus on e-commerce sellers. We will be also getting into recent import tariffs and other critical information pertaining to the recent volatile international economy. A little background on our guest, Burak is originally from Istanbul, Turkey, but he has traveled the world doing international B2B logistics. Currently, Burak is the founder and CEO of ForceGetLogistics.com, a company that specializes in international logistics. Burak, we are so excited to have you as a guest on the show and are looking forward to our discussion. First things first, tell us a little bit about yourself and the path that led you to specializing in international logistics. Hey, man, thank you so much for the opportunity and uh, great instruction. Um, you know, uh, it's as you said, it's it's really complicated situation now. We've all been going through with the logistics, e-commerce business, B2B businesses. And I hope everything, everything is going to be back to normal very soon. So as you said, I'm from Turkey originally. Uh, I've lived in China seven years. I still have an office in Guangdong, Shenzhen. If people don't know that, it's in the south part of China uh, in Guangdong province. Uh, it's one of the largest cities in China and mainly producing electronics uh, between Hong Kong and uh, Guangzhou. Uh, so we have offices in Shenzhen, uh, Hong Kong, as well as in Miami. Uh, and I moved to US a year and a half ago um, and we started the business in here and uh, you know, back and forth, I'm traveling. I used to now, unfortunately, with the coronavirus, uh, it's a little bit tough, but, you know, we start, we, we keep doing the operations and things are coming back to normal a little bit. Um, my, my background is uh, I have an international business uh, major, uh, bachelor degree, and been lived in China seven years, work in different industries, uh, different platforms. Uh, and now uh, our core business is the logistics, freight forwarding from China to worldwide. Now we're working on our digital platform. Hopefully it will be active uh, middle of April. And, you know, well, we just help the e-commerce sellers and Amazon sellers. All right. So, Birak, the, the 
navigating international markets is complicated already. What are some new problems that have come about since the coronavirus? What have you, what have you seen in your business? Actually, we need to back it up a little bit. Uh, things started, I think, in 2018. Um, a lot of big markets, they started to uh, get smaller, especially the BRIC countries like Russia, Brazil, India, um, Middle East with the oil and gas prices went down. I think everybody knows that. So Chinese factories and companies already had cash flow issues and the pressure uh, worldwide. You know, the order is getting smaller and smaller. So factories are more and more flexible with a smaller MOQ. Uh, smaller order quantities, um, you know, the, the living cost in China increases really high. Uh, every year is like 15 to 20% of the interest uh, uh, inflation uh, in the country. So things are like really getting expensive. Uh, but same time, p- people's income is actually getting lower because the demand is going down in, in the world. So then, you know, this uh, the tax war, the trade war started between U.S. and China two years ago. So a lot of companies, they lose business. Uh, some of the buyers, they try to shift their uh, purchasing orders from China to Europe, uh, East Europe, like Turkey, India, Bangladesh. Some of the industries uh, already have been shifted to Southeast Asia, like Bangladesh, Vietnam, uh, Thailand, Cambodia. So nobody was expecting such big issue at the moment uh, and the timing was really not good at all um, this virus started uh, right before the Chinese New Year so factories was closed almost 20 to 25 days and once we were getting ready to open up you know the businesses this wires hit China so basically Chinese factories have been closed almost 60 to 75 days so it's 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 a massive crisis for the companies in China for the cash flow um, now, uh, we are what, uh, March 13, uh, 80 to 90% of the factories are back to work. Um, but they don't have full capacity. Yes. Yet. One of the reasons is all of the employees were not able to come back to work because some of them are still under quarantine. Um, and another reason is a lot of raw material suppliers are not doing yet full capacity. Uh, so, some of the factories are back to work 100%. Their employees are back, management is back, but then the raw material suppliers are not back to work, so they don't have enough material to produce. Or they have material and they don't have enough employees to make the full capacity production. So I think this will be keep going another 15 to 20 days. Uh, we are expecting things are coming back to normal uh, a little bit more in China. Uh, I think middle of April, beginning of May. But unfortunately now the, the wires have been spreaded out to Europe and US. So I think now uh, Chinese factory is gonna have like less orders. So this had like a kind of snowball effect, um, you know, and I think it's gonna keep going uh, another uh, one or two months. So Chinese factors are having serious issues uh, for the cash flow at the moment. Okay, one thing you and I had talked about prior to this interview, and I'd like to dig into it uh, a little more, is once this coronavirus is solved, mm-hmm. there's still going to be backlog. There's still going to be carryover implications Absolutely. for these factories. And so if things continue trending in this direction, when do you think things will be totally back to normal? I think 
it is it is really unknown right now. I mean, and Chinese factories also don't have the information yet. Um, the thing is, the international business as well as international logistics is really connected to each other. Even if you work with a factory from Japan or Vietnam or Turkey, probably some some of the raw material is either coming from China or the production equipment is made in China. The spare parts come from China. So there's like a, a really big uh, a chain. The problem is not only because of the China, the problem is actually globally, the rest of the world is very dependent on China. So this is one of the issue with the supply chain and logistics now. So when you go back to your question, a lot of people were expecting things coming back to normal in China, uh, end of March and April, which is actually doing pretty well right now. Uh, 80 to 90% of the factories are back to work. They're manufacturing. We started to do our shipping process. There are a lot of queue uh, and backload for air shipments, but there are a lot of space, available space for the ocean freight. So the air prices increase 30 to 50% at the moment in the market because a lot of um, airplanes, a lot of you know airlines cancel their flights, the passenger flights, and 20 to 25% of the air cargo actually uh, carry by the passenger flight, like commercial flights. And the rest of it goes with the cargo flights. So we have still a lot of lack of source for the air freight wise. The price is not stable. We cannot really find the enough space or the prices are changing very, very often. So manufacturing wise, things are coming back to a little bit normal. But now the freight forwarding and the logistic is having this issue facing this problem with the space, pricing, and as well as uh, this very big cash flow uh, pressure from their clients in China and the rest of the world. Because last two to three months, nobody actually made payments internally, like, you know, from China to Hong Kong. So that brought a pretty big depression now in China. And this is something that people are trying to fix on it. That's interesting. You mentioned that. I uh, Two of my suppliers have reached out recently in the last week or two, and, and they've offered discounts. You know, hey, if you place an order in March, we're going to give you a you know, 10, 15% discount. And it kind of speaks to what you were talking about, the cash flow problems. I think they're yes. hurting for orders right now. Mm-hmm. This is this is this is really true. Um, if we had this uh, podcast six months ago, a year ago, I would have told you guys or your listeners that they should be negotiating with the suppliers, very low deposit, like discount and sort of things. But now, a lot of companies actually they're trying to increase their deposit limits. You know, they want to get like more money in advance. So this this really happens because they really need the cash flow. Imagine you had a factory with. 100 employees and you've been closed last three months and everybody was expecting to come back to work end of January, but now it's back to middle of March. And now the clients who place orders from Europe, now they're having problems so they cannot make the uh, payment to your factory. So this is the major problem. If China had the problem, they opened it up, they would start surviving, they would start like working on, but now their client are having the issue. So that's that that brought it this thing to kind of next level for Chinese suppliers. So I think this is the this is a very right time to negotiate the price. I mean, I know that some of our supplier they try to increase the uh, product price, 
The reason is the raw material prices increase because there's like a really big demand right now. Chinese factories, they try to produce as much as possible and make the sales. But on the other hand, it's not so easy to find a raw material in the market. So this caused companies to be more aggressive on a sales wise. So I also hear a lot of people, they're sending us a message. Hey, we open it up. You can place an order. You can get the samples. You know, now I think um, one of my friends was placing an order and he a little bit worried about this coronavirus. And I told him, for example, it's just an idea. Everybody's case is different. But I told him instead of ordering 2000 piece, keep it safe for you, order 5000 piece unit and only put 10% deposit. And then the more you ship, you pay the balance and then ask the factory to keep the rest of the stock for you in, in their factory in China. This way, you don't have to pay everything up front. You don't have to ship everything and pay crazy amount of shipping fee or uh, warehouse fee, FBA fee for Amazon. And the more you buy from the factory, your cargo will be ready. So it will be very efficient to do it. So now factories are more and more flexible with the payment terms, with the discounts. Um, you know, you can place an order, fix the price now. So in the future, if the price change, you're not going to be affected and you're going to have the ready stock. So one of the, I think, issue a lot of Amazon sellers are facing right now is they're running out of stock because everybody was thinking, oh, okay, I don't want to put so much money. The Q4 just finished. Let me get paid and then I'll place an order right after Chinese New Year. I hope it didn't happen to you guys, but unfortunately, a couple of my friends, uh, they have this problem right now. Yeah, I'm having that, that problem in, in my business for sure. One thing I want to dive into that you just talked about, which I think is a, an awesome technique, a technique that would actually solve a problem in my business, and that is placing a large order and having only a portion of it shipped over. And I'll tell you right now, in my basement, it looks like a warehouse. I have boxes from wall to wall. And the reason for that is I will make an order of, say, 5,000 units, and I don't want to get hit with long-term storage fees. Right. And so have them shipped to my house, and then I'll send off about a thousand at a time. And what you just said, I think, really addresses that problem. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about that and, and how that you may bring that up with a supplier? Right. I mean, we also give the service because some of the suppliers, uh, we have warehouses in China, different cities, large ports and airports. Uh, some of the suppliers, they're very willing to do this. They are, they're happy to help the clients because they receive the big order. Uh, once they receive a big order, they can buy it cheap and they can sell it cheap and they have the larger revenue and which means cash for them. But some of them, they say, okay, we place this order, but we don't want to keep it in our warehouse. We don't have enough space. So as the force gets in, we can handle that and then receive the cargo to our warehouse and then we help you to ship it partially. So this way you don't have to take, you don't have to do extra because once you ship it to your basement, you ship, you pay the shipment to your basement. You do a lot of spend time, uh, extra work, then you have to ship it to Amazon again. I think that's too much work. And you know, a lot of people, they like to do Amazon and especially FBA to make the things remote. So this makes it extra, extra cost and extra time for them. So I think uh, this, this, this is kind of like a small tactic. We've been doing it almost like two years. Uh, when we talk to the factories, uh, we manufacture this 8,000 in the inflator uh, for one of our clients. And they only wanted to ship it like 2,000 piece, then 3,000 piece, then the rest of the 3,000 piece. We placed order 8,000. We get the performer invoice for 8,000 piece, and we got it ready from a good price. And once we got the performance, we told the factory, hey, we're going to do a partial shipment. Is that okay for you? They said yes. So 
we only paid 15%. We picked up the 2000. We paid the rest of the, we, pay, we paid the entire 2000 piece. We keep the 15% in the factory as a security deposit for them, the rest of the 6,000 unit in the warehouse. We ship another 3,000 after a month. We paid fully for the 3,000 and the rest of the 3,000 we paid after 20 days. So this way, they didn't have cash flow because we pay like regular basis. We didn't have cash flow. We sold it, we ship it, we get our money back. So everybody was kind of happy with this deal. If you have a good forecast, how many units you're selling a year, this way, I think instead of making eight orders in a year, you can make two orders a year and keep everything, you know, in an order. Of course, there are some some risks of this. Uh, you know, you your product can get suspended. Your product, your your listing might be removed. You know, anything can happen. But um, in some point, if you're a um, let's say experienced sellers, uh, if you want to save money on the shipping, uh, buying product this way, factories like it. And I think it's also a good favor. Like it's also a good uh, business strategy for also buyers. We've been doing this for a long time. I think you guys should also try it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and you said we a lot. And when you're talking, when you say we, you're talking about forcegetlogistics.com. Yes, um, we have full freight forward service. Sometimes our clients are asking some help. You know, because we have a team in China, we have a team in the U.S. And sometimes for people dealing from from U.S. to China, we have some of the states that have 12 hours, some of them like 15 hours time difference. So it's sometimes difficult. So uh, once we have, once we help you uh, with the freight forwarding, we also have a special team for sourcing that can help you with, you know, negotiating the suppliers, the price, the trade term, uh, do the final inspection. I think that's one of the key things. Uh, for businesses, you know, especially if you're doing an FBA, uh, you know, the customer service and customer happiness is the most important thing in the competition. So you have to make sure the product that you're shipping out has no manufacturing defect, uh, no label problem, no packing problem. Everything needs to be perfect. Um, so that's why we are also offering this kind of additional service to our clients who wants to use our freight forwarding service. So this way, um, you can save a lot of money if you have something wrong with the shipment and order. We have, we have had this many times. Uh, you know, it's unfortunately, you know, I lived in China seven years. I've been to 200, 300 factories at least, maybe 20 trade shows. Every time you meet Chinese suppliers, they're talking about like a long-term business ship, um, good relationship, like, you know, quality service. I mean, of course, there are really, really good big factories and quality people that, you know, give you service. But in my experience, there are also a lot of companies, they don't have QA, quality insurance. They don't have QR. Um, they don't have raw material testing when they receive the raw material. A lot of factories, if any of you been to China, you know, you go to a factory. It is a factory, but it's actually a small workshop. So a lot of things can go wrong. So that's why... We always tell people um, to make sure you do the final inspection. And one thing, if you don't mind me to ask, one of the things Chinese factories do a lot, you know, again, I exclude some of them. They send you a great sample. That the sample is perfect quality. You back and forth, you pay a lot of money for the DHL, UPS, uh, confirm the sample, everything's perfect. And then you place the order, 2,000 piece, and you receive something very different than the sample you receive. This happens to a lot of people. 
So the only way to avoid that, prevent that is uh, making the final inspection before you ship out the cargo. Instead of sitting home and praying, I hope my cargo, my goods are good shape, good quality. It is very, very important to do the final inspection. What do you think, guys? Yeah, absolutely. I, I do a final inspection on, on every single order and it's, you know, it's, it saved me a lot of headaches. Uh, you know, like you said, there's so many different uh, variables at play and, you know, I, I've had uh, inspections where they found errors and, you know, I, I had my, you know, supplier ha fix them before they shipped out. Otherwise, you know, it's going to yeah. ship out, get to the customers and they're, you know, they're going to be unhappy and you're going to get negative reviews. It's just a bad cycle. So, uh, you know, final inspections, it's a must have for every order for me. Yeah, absolutely. I had a similar experience a couple of years ago where I did get a really good sample. And then I had this particular order show up at FBA warehouses. I launched that product and I was getting a lot of three-star reviews. And I was like, there's no way. I like my yeah. listing was under attack. And it wasn't until I got a couple returns in and compared them to the sample and, and was like, this is a totally different raw material than what yeah. we talked about. And that was uh, really disappointing because I had 3,000 units in the a United lot. States that I had to sell out. And it puts you in a tough position where, you know, your reputation is one of your biggest assets. Yeah. But you also have 3,000 mediocre products that you need to oh, unload. Wow. And so it's... Yeah. Uh, there's a real bummer. reputation and as well as your cash flow you know it's it's you know you pay freight you pay everything up front you wait maybe 60 days you spend so much money to rank the product and then eventually you sit with the 3000 units and then you know the, all the thing factor says oh sorry probably if you're lucky enough yeah absolutely, absolutely. i mean i don't want to sound horrible guys you know i i have really really good chinese suppliers some of my friends are like really, really good friends. You know, we've been doing business a long time, but this is all bad experience. Like every country has that. But, you know, the only thing in China that we have is this, you know, uh, it's just, the, but the, you know, one thing I'm going to tell you guys, that maybe sounds a little weird to a lot of listeners, but look at this business from the Chinese seller perspective. You know, most of us, we kind of, if you're working, the, if you're doing a first-time business with the Chinese suppliers, we kind of have a trust issue. We don't know if they're going to get the deposit. You know, a lot of people are using Alibaba trade insurance, which I think it is not really worth it. I mean, I have a couple of friends. They've used Alibaba trade insurance, and it didn't work out that well. Uh, some of them are very successful. Um, but Chinese suppliers also don't trust you. I mean, don't trust us because we are overseas. They try to get as much as deposit possible because there's a lot of buyers. They, they cancel the orders the last minute with a private label. You know, they don't know what to do with the rest of the stock. They try to sell it like a cheaper in the market. So a lot of things are going also from their side. When I Once I told you, okay, it's hard to trust the suppliers. Not only hard to trust, but let's be more careful, but they basically have similar perspective. So we kind of need to do a little bit empathy with these people and remember that we are overseas and if somehow we place an order, pay very small amount of money deposit for my personal orders and you know for our my clients, we always encourage them to pay maximum 10% of deposit. And most of the factories are like accepting this. Even if they open the door from 30%, you can negotiate 10 to 15%. We never pay more than 15%. Uh, so 
they also have the issues. So it is very important to find a middle way. And sometimes most of the people, they say, you know, I want to work with a factory directly. But it, it doesn't mean the work with the factory directly is always the best option. It may sound I'm jumping from topic to topic, guys. I'm sorry for that if I do that. But, you know, once you work with the right suppliers, it can be a trade company, it can be a big factory. But every different size of a factory workshop has their own expenses and they have own MOQ and uh, minimum order quantities. So some of the factories, they have they accept only the large orders. So it is sometimes hard with the factory because, in my opinion, the buyers, especially Amazon sellers or e-commerce sellers who starts new, they need to find the right type of suppliers, which means if you're looking for not very big quantity, then sometimes it's better not to chase the largest factories because for them, if you're going to be a small customer, then they may care about you less. So please make sure that you choose the right factory or right trade company that you're going to work with it. Definitely do inspection. Don't only rely on Alibaba.com because there are a lot of fake accounts, fake companies still in Alibaba.com. Some of the accounts are very old. I've, I've had this personal issue that I went to a Chinese factory that Alibaba address, even there was nothing. Like it was like an empty area. Like there was no even a building there. So I was like, how is it a gold supplier that has five years history there and they've changed the factory location almost two years ago and Alibaba didn't update the factory location, you know? So that was that was like a crazy experience for me. I'm like, you know, I, I sent a picture to my friend and, you know, he's like, okay, so what? I'm like, where's the factory? He's like, no, where is the factory? We had this weird conversation. So you got to be like really careful the type of the uh, supplier that you choose and the way you negotiate with them. So don't always go with the largest factory. Make sure they care about you. And another small tip maybe I can give you is make sure you understand who are you dealing with in the company. One of the things in China we call that Guanxi, uh, it's very important to have the good relationship with the suppliers, but make sure that the person you're dealing with, your sales representative, they have enough experience or they have enough time in the company. So if not, they're probably not a decision maker. And if they're not a decision maker, you probably don't want to negotiate with them any sort of business term, any sort of payment. If there's any problem, all they tell you is, oh, let me report it to my boss. And then it's going to be like a ping pong game, you know, back and forth. So I highly recommend you when you talk to connect to a new company, ask them, ask your sales representative how long they've been working in the company. If it is three to six months, one year, just kindly ask them, hey, can you please add your supervisor, your manager, your boss to the conversation? So one thing, especially last two years we're facing in China, a lot of people quit their jobs very often. They change companies very often. I'm sure you know you, you guys are talking to different people and uh, one day someone says, oh, my name was Apple in the previous company and now my name is Lemon. It happens a lot. You know, they're using this like English names and yeah. they're coming with, hey, my name is Michael today. I'm like, okay, but who were you before? So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so this happens a lot. So make sure who you are, really, <laughs> who you're uh, dealing with. I'm laughing now because I have a supplier and they use the name Lemon. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, I think you guys are using WeChat probably. 
I have maybe yeah. like 15 apples, and once they change their names, it's a big confusion for me. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I too I have a I have a May and I have a June. Oh okay. Now you need them. So. Now probably you need the March and you know June July, complete the whole calendar. I wanted to circle back on the on the freight uh, the pricing. You mentioned earlier the air shipping was had the price had increased substantially, but that the ocean freight has went down. What, mm -hmm. How do you what do you think it's going to happen in say like the next thirty to sixty days? What do you foresee the price? I think I think since the lack of manufacturing continue, this situation is going to stay the same uh, because. A lot of people, they have a waiting order. Uh, factories are completing the orders partially. They cannot finish everything in one time. So that's why a lot of Amazon sellers or uh, wholesale companies, they are willing to do partially shipments, uh, partially shipment. Partially shipment means, you know, if you have like 2,000 units ready, you want to ship 500 first and the rest 500, like 1,500 later, like whenever the shipment is ready. So a lot of people are facing having you know, losing customers, uh, getting out of stock. So nobody wants to do that. So that's why a lot of people now trying to ship as quick as possible, which is air freight and the rest of the cargo, because it's not ready. So a lot of uh, sea freight companies uh, where I'm talking about the, the, the large uh, cargo companies, uh, the carriers like, um, you know, ocean freight companies, uh, they don't have enough containers so that's why they're kind of delaying their departure time to fulfill the containers because now the prices are still increasing in the sea, sea but like maybe five to ten percent. But the air uh, has uh, quite uh, fifty up to fifty percent. I would say the price increase. So it's it's a big change. And then one of the problem is we call it there are mostly two rates. One is standard rate, and another is like express rate. It's kind of like you know priority shipment. If you book standard rate and if someone else comes in and offers more money to the airlines, which is for the favor of the airline, unfortunately, standard cargo cannot fly out, but the express can do. So that's why the market changes very uh, often right now, uh, 30 to 60 days. Right now, most of the air freight, most of the flights have been canceled from mainland China. I'm talking about like uh, large airports like Beijing, Shanghai. Tianjin, Guangzhou, Shenzhen, most of the flights canceled. They, there used to be maybe 20 flights in a week. Now we have two or three flights in a week. And most of them are carrying medical stuff like masks or medicine or this kind of uh, humanitarian uh, stuff. So most of the shipments now move to Hong Kong and there's a backup, backload, uh, seven to 10 days waiting time. Uh, Korea is the same. Two weeks ago, three weeks ago, the, the per kilo, the price was $2.5. Now it's $3.5, and they don't even guarantee the space. We asked price last Friday. They said, we said cargo is ready Monday. They said, okay, come back to us on Monday because the price from last week or price from yesterday is not valid because a lot of people, they're trying to fly out everything. in advance. So I think 30 to 60 days, the, the situation is going to stay the same for the air. Uh, we don't know where the price is going to go. Uh, but obviously, the more Chinese factories produce, the more shipments will be ready to send out. And if people are running out of stock, then there will be more and more air freight. So what I can recommend to people is, excuse me, um, if you know when your manufacturing, when is, if you know when is your delivery time, you better book your shipments in advance. 
So if your shipment is going to be ready Monday, make sure you already did the booking last Monday. So if we're talking about your shipment is ready today, better you do it a week earlier delivery. Don't wait the last minutes because you're gonna. It's very hard to find now truck in mainland China because still a lot of people are under quarantine. A lot of roads are blocked. Uh, truck companies they can't find enough drivers. Drivers don't want to take the cargo from a uh, uh, dangerous locations. Uh, the the speed of increasing uh, the the cases in China is really low right now compared to Europe or US. But still, a lot of people are very cautious about this issue. So it is not only the air freight, but it's it's very very difficult to find a truck, and the prices are very expensive right now compared to uh, two to three months ago. Around the turn of the year, we got hit with a big Trump tariff, and that got me thinking. Uh, there was 30% on some of the products that I sell. That got me thinking that maybe I need to look elsewhere other than China for suppliers. And then with the coronavirus happening, again, it's causing some issues with my Chinese suppliers. And so in your experience, what are some of the smart sellers doing right now? Are they staying in China or are they diversifying into other countries? It is definitely a smart move to diversify, especially if you're, you know, I, I believe some of the industries, they don't have really uh, much alternative. If you're in the kind of heavy industry uh, or like a metal or iron, still this kind of industry still or heavy equipment is still pretty much uh, based in China. The textile, you can look in uh, Bangladesh, India, Turkey, even East Europe. It's a really good idea. But one thing I like about China is everything is very, very efficient. The shipping process is very efficient. Uh, the paperwork is very efficient and fast. China had been, you know, they already passed the rookie days. Maybe 20 years ago, 15 years ago, China had a lot of problems, you know, with the shipments and stuff. But today, if we didn't have the coronavirus, China has a great efficiency for the shipments. You know, the day we pick up the cargo, we could fly out the same day. It, it never happens in any other country. It takes really longer to custom and et cetera. So, in this perspective, China is going to still, whatever happens, it's going to keep staying the largest manufacturing area. However, a lot of Chinese factories who are based in mainland China, they already started to open alternative uh, manufacturing plants in different places, especially where the labor cost is lower, like Vietnam, Cambodia. Let's say if you're buying electronics, uh, consumer electronics, uh, Chinese factories, they have their own uh let's say um, they have their own uh, office or new factory set it up in Bangladesh or Malaysia to avoid the tariffs and the tax. But still the raw materials go from China. So if it is electronics, uh, if you have high tariff, I would recommend to look maybe Taiwan. Taiwan is really good market, very quality. You're probably going to have less quantity, less suppliers, less factory, but better quality. And the price gap is going like low, really lower between uh, smaller between China and Taiwan. Electronics, we work with the Taiwanese suppliers. They're really great. Um, the textile, Turkey is really good with the textile. Cheap, not as expensive as Europe. Uh, Bangladesh and India is good. Uh, one of the issues with Bangladesh and, Ina, Bangladesh and uh, India is, my, in my experience, the shipping, the, the logistic is not as efficient as China. And people are getting used to the foreign trade. Like the, you know, right now, once you have a small request from a Chinese factory, they do it immediately. They know what you want. They they know the experience. 
I like the efficiency. If you wanna, if you're an e-commerce seller, you wanna differentiate your product, you wanna add additional gift, gift card, bag, whatever, Chinese supplier can find you another source within one day. So this, this is really great for a lot of people instead of bringing everything t- thing together. So if you have this in a specific industry like textile, definitely you can look at it in Bangladesh, Turkey, Cambodia and Vietnam is especially Vietnam is really like uh, they're growing. Uh, they're look everybody's talking about Vietnam is going to be the next China next five to ten years. Once this coronavirus is uh, hopefully losing its uh, risk and losing easing the, the danger, I highly recommend you to look into Vietnam or if you have any trade show, you can definitely go. Or the ones in in China, there are a lot of you know international companies coming like Vietnam. And some of the industrial like electronics, Taiwan, again, Vietnam, Cambodia. But one thing, guys, I, I, a few days ago, I was reading uh, Financial Times and uh, I saw how other countries are actually depending on manufacturing to China. Between 30% to 70% raw material is manufactured inside East China, Southeast Asia is depending on China. So it is really, really hard to take out China from the game because, you know, either logistic wise or uh, equipment wise or the end user end product is coming from China, raw material. So it is it is hard. But in my opinion, now Eastern Europe is getting more uh, into the game, India and Bangladesh, as well as Vietnam. As long as you need to make sure that your product, whatever you sell, it doesn't have too much depending to China on the raw material supply. So, Burak, if, if uh, for our audience, you recommended uh, Vietnam and Cambodia and Taiwan for sourcing. Yeah, right. Do you, do you have a source for that? Do you have a web, like a web portal or do you have a, a sourcing agent that you recommend people to use to find alternative suppliers outside of China? Those countries are also they have like a page in Alibaba or they also have it in Google. But I recommend people mostly to follow the local trade shows. If you if you have uh, quite a bit sales, online sales or income, I think the, one of the most important things to uh, follow is the industrial exhibitions and meeting people face to face. But of course, if you don't have a travel experience or if you don't have enough money or time for traveling, I we sometimes check. There's a Chinese version of Alibaba. It's called 1688. CN or .com.cn. Some of the local suppliers, they don't have Alibaba.com account, so you can find a product cheaper, but then uh, probably you're going to have a little bit of an issue uh, with you know the language. Uh, right now, as far as I know, uh, Vietnam don't have its own special portal. Uh, we sometimes check Global Source uh, website, globalsource.com. It also has some good leads. And the rest, I think, uh, what we do is in our industry, since we have a lot of connections in Asia, we were asking our networks or connections. So right now, as I said, Vietnam still has like five to 10 years maybe to reach the point uh, where China was like 10 years ago. It's still growing, but still, I think they need time. So pretty much a lot of companies that are depending on China. If you're looking for a sourcing for a quality product, South Korea is definitely an alternative. Great people, great country. Definitely more expensive, but in my opinion, uh, as an 
a lot of Amazon seller friends I have, it's better to look for somewhere where not the Chinese are competing very aggressively. I mean, you guys have more experience than me in Amazon, probably. But I mean, uh, you know, the cheap products or very popular new items, you know, Chinese and Chinese people are entering them, themselves. You know, the last time, last couple of years, when I go to the large exhibitions like Hong Kong Electronic Fair, uh, Hong Kong Toy Show, Gift Show, Canton Fair, you can see the sign in a factory's booth saying number one Amazon seller. So the way of doing international business have changed with Amazon, I think. It used to be Chinese factory was selling to a Chinese trade company. They were selling to the wholesaler overseas and then they're selling to retailer and then the retailer was selling on Amazon or eBay. Since everybody thinks that Amazon has like juicy money, a big pie, everybody wants to take uh, part of it. So Chinese factors now they start selling directly. So this also changed the game. So that's why once you do the sourcing, it's a little bit better to look out of China, uh, countries like Taiwan, Cambodia, Vietnam. Uh, if it is something similar to textile or home goods, I know that India is good, uh, Bangladesh, Turkey, and East Europe. I think some of the alternatives, of course, if you're looking for a quality product, you can go to the Europe, but the cost is going to high. In textile, right now, I think China has, uh, as far as I know, 15% uh, plus 25% almost. So there's almost 40%. So either sourcing from China plus 40% or sourcing from you know Taiwan or East Europe could be even same money, even cheaper. But you need to make sure that once you make the calculation, you need to make sure whatever you're shipping from, it's going to have as efficient as China. Freight forwarding like freight price wise or the enough channel wise as i say if your product's stuck in china we can ship out in 10 days uh, in two days if it's stocks in india it can take definitely seven to ten days so this is very important i think once you do the uh, calculation especially now uh with the the leads time are very very long some of the suppliers say it's 40 to 50 days uh, i was talking to one of our suppliers today they say they need 50 days to produce. Normally, it was 20 to 25 days. So it's very important to calculate that in the short term and the long term. Yeah. Uh, I think the, one of the most important things for now to do people, they better follow up the station very close with the uh, factories if they do a private label from China. Uh, make sure they're top on, they're top on the, the delivery and the production time. They, they, they follow everything very closely. And because Chinese suppliers, sometimes they misinform or, you know, the delivery time delay and delay. So they better know their production time and lead time. And as I said, make their, um, you know, logistic booking, freight forwarding booking uh, at least 10 days in advance. So this way they have enough space and better rate than the last minute booking. It was just a small tip. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm glad you mentioned that. So after talking to you, I've learned a ton about international logistics. If our, any of our listeners are having issues with that, what are some ways that Forescat Logistics can help help them out? I think some of our clients now switching from Chinese uh, Chinese freight companies to us is one of the reason is one of the reason is time difference, of course. Uh, and another thing is Chinese uh, companies are offering like really cheap prices sometimes. Uh, one of our clients had an issue, uh, as you know, um, it is actually illegal to change the invoice values, uh, you know, in order to pay low tax. We are definitely not supporting that. 
But one of our clients had an issue, they're straightforward, they're uh, even changed the HS code. If you don't know what is HS code is, every product has a specific uh, custom code where once you import that into a country or export it worldwide, we are using the same number for a specific unit. So if you, let's say you're selling a t-shirt, you have 40% of tax. So some of the Chinese freight forwarders, and again, I exclude the regular ones, the right ones, but some of them, in order to offer low price, they're changing the HS code. So you need to be very, you need to be very sure about your freight forwarders not change the HS code. Uh, make sure that you check what is the tax rate, and if they're offering a very low price, then you need to make sure they're not doing it, and then you're against it. Because number one, your company can get a penalty. It's a, it's a really big risk. Um, your product can be destroyed in the custom or they can be refused and you have to ship it back to China and send it back, which it happened to one of our uh, friends, uh, a new customer that they had this problem and reached me and told me that he had 90 days not delivered the cargo and he told me what might be going on. And then we spoke to his supplier and they said, once the freight forwarder pick up the cargo, they changed the HS code in order to pay less tax. So instead of paying 40%, they're declaring the product as a different unit, different item, excuse me, and then pay zero tax. So you need to be very careful uh, when you get to uh, offer from the freight forwarder, make sure everything is very clear. Uh, there is no hidden cost. And uh, most of the Chinese factories are using their own freight forwarders and they're only giving you CIF uh, price, which means delivered only until the destination port. And you're in charge of the rest of the charges, such as custom clearance, uh, U.S. local port uh, charges, uh, truck delivery to a warehouse or basement or Amazon. So there are a lot of hidden costs. And you think that in the beginning, the price is very cheap, but then a lot of things come extra. And then they ask you to pay up front everything. So basically, you have no choice. So what we do is we are offering very clear uh, proposal include everything so we don't have any extra cost and as i mentioned that uh we're working on our digital platform right now uh, which is going to be available from middle of uh, april hopefully and uh, once you have a shipment you can log in create an create a shipment receive uh, a code accept the code track everything online real time make the payments uh so what we're trying to do is we're being more clear to our clients and explain everything a little bit more boutique and niche um, service at the moment uh, for people who are very new to this industry it's very very important to be uh, clear once you receive your prices and i think that's one thing that we hear a lot in the market right now a lot of people they receive uh, pricing from different companies and everybody's offering different price but please make sure if you have any problem or if you have any question uh, for your shipments and pricing, make sure you are asking your freight forwarder and explaining you and make sure that you ask them to provide you uh, tax payment documents. A lot of people, uh, it just, you know, they deliver the shipment and then they don't send you anything. What we do is after we make the delivery, we send you everything like the invoice that we pay to the custom and everything. So it's, it's very clear. And if you have any problem two to three years later, then you see, okay, I don't have problem because I have all the documents. So it's very important to work with uh, legit companies who kind of legally uh, responsible to you. I think that's one thing that we, we like doing it um, to our client, that we're very responsible 
for any sort of issue happens in today and in the future. For all of our guests, we we always ask uh, three questions, kind of wrapping up the show, and not to put you on the spot. But what what is your favorite book? Um, actually, right now, what we're what I want to do is with myself. I want to uh, improve my uh, management skills. So uh, I've been reading this book. Um, I think one of the most important thing is having the right team. So it is very very important to hire the right people. So. I'm trying to read as much as possible, and right now one of my favorites. I'm I'm doing the audiobooks, especially I like running uh, when I have free time. I like to read the um, or listen to audio videos. I try to listen as much as audio books where I know how to hire the right people. Uh, that's something that we are working on it now. Like we are expanding our teams in China, Hong Kong, and US. I think that's one of the most important thing for me now to learn and from the other people. Uh, how to hire better people. That's one thing that I think right now, one focus that I, I do and read the most of the books that possible. And it'd probably help out long term too, building a team. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Hopefully. Uh, the next question up, what are some of your hobbies? Oh, uh, recently I do CrossFit. I don't know, everybody now going crazy about with this thing, but I really like it. It's very intense. Um, and plus, I've been playing basketball since uh, I was seven years old, so I, I keep doing it. And since I moved to uh, Florida, I, our base in Miami, we are very lucky about like the outdoor activities. So hopefully, guys, when you come to Miami, I'll show you around a little bit. So these are the things. It's because we are very busy with the time difference and you know with this issue. So it's it's actually a great way to you know empty our head, my head. So I really like doing sports. So. I think I would say my new favorite is CrossFit right now. So uh, that's that's one thing that I really like. I, I actually I love basketball, but unfortunately, you know, the NBA is suspended. I like I used to go to the Miami Heat games, but I guess not anymore. So <laughs> probably I'm gonna find a new hobby. <laughs> <laughs> Have to take a break from those for a while, right? Yeah, hopefully it's gonna be back to normal. Uh, everybody's talking about like uh, you know May or June. Uh, this thing is gonna slow down. And let's hope for it and get prepared for business-wise. You know, that's what we are doing. I think everybody should also do that for the business, uh, plan everything, and then get ready. Yeah, for sure. So I got one last question here. Uh, with all of your experience over the years, um, what do you think sets apart successful e-commerce entrepreneurs from those who give up, fail, or never get started? I think, you know, one thing I owe to be here today is the networking and keep learning. Uh, world changes very fast. Um, I know that I have some skills that I should be improving, like, you know, my marketing, my social media, IT, whatever, like, you know, I think the most important thing, like keep learning, definitely uh, ask people questions. I think that's one thing, you know, when I moved to China, I didn't even know how to ask for a water. And I went to this restaurant, I was doing like this and that. Uh, I was trying to get water. And they brought me rest of the restaurant, like a salt, ketchup and stuff. And I was like, okay, if I want to do this, I have to learn it. So, you know, then I started learning Mandarin. So I think the most important thing is, you know, to make sure you start everything slow and not to give up and keep learning, keep asking. And I think networking is one of the most important things. I, I think I love doing networking, uh, you know. Uh, reaching out you guys was one of the best things I've done, I think, in March. Uh, thank you so much for having me for your, in your podcast. And I've been here in a very short time in States, like almost like a year, year and a half. 
But uh, so far, I'm doing a lot of networking. And I think that is going to make the difference in my life. Not only the business-wide, but also the personal development. And if you keep doing it, I think it's, it reflects to the business as well. Well, we appreciate you being on the uh, Firing the Man podcast. Where can people get a hold of you? You can always reach us in our website. Uh, it's forcegat.com. Um, you can see it in my T-shirt I'm wearing. You can reach us in our website, like send us an email or uh, give us a call. Uh, we are happy to help you if you have a question uh, for the sourcing, for the logistics, for the import. Um, and also, uh, we have our social media accounts and Instagram and Facebook. You can follow us. And hopefully, uh, from the middle of, uh, middle of March, uh, middle of April, uh, we're going to have our own uh, digital platform for our logistics. Definitely sign up. Uh, try it out. Uh, if you have feedback, uh, feel free to reach us back. Absolutely. We will post a link to all of those in our show notes for our listeners. But thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Thank you all so right. much. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to today's Firing the Man podcast. If you like this episode, head on over to firingtheman.com and check out our resource library for exclusive Firing the Man discounts on popular e-commerce subscription services. That is firingtheman.com backslash resource. You can also find a comprehensive library of over 50 books that Ken and I have read in the last few years that have made a meaningful impact on our business. For that, head on over to www.firingtheman.com slash library. Lastly, check us out on social media at Firing the Man and on YouTube at Firing the Man for exclusive content. This is David Schomer and Ken Wilson. We're We're out. out. Before you go, we wanted to share a new service that Ken and I have been using called Getita that has made us over $10,000 in Amazon reimbursements. The service requires no monthly subscription and Getita collects a small percentage of the money they recover for you. It takes less than five minutes to set up and works on all Amazon marketplaces. Go to getita.com, G-E-T-I-D-A dot com and enter promo code FTM400. That's FTM for Firing the Man 400 to get your first $400 in reimbursements commission free. How much money does Amazon owe you?